Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Yeah. We want to say welcome to McKinney. Welcome, McKinney. Yes, Give McKinney. McKinney a big hand. And on a personal note, everybody follow me. Say happy, happy. birthday, birthday. Lafey. Lafey. Pastor Lafey's birthday Pastor Lafey's birthday today. First time I ever met Lafey, I called him Lafey. Hey, Lafey. L-A-F-E. Lafey. Anyway, happy birthday, Life. You're getting older. All right. So <laughs> y'all glad to be here today. Yes. We're going to have a good time. We were talking about family fun, dementals, how to have fun in your family and not be demental in the process. And so looking at Psalms 128, uh, I want to read there, but I want to say for those of you that weren't here last week, how many of you weren't here last week? Raise your hand. Wow. This is our table that we sat in as a, uh, sat at as a family. Pastor Sheila stenciled this in Mary Engelbright. We've kept it through the years so we can preach from it. Now that we've lived it and eaten on this table. In the middle of the table, there's our family mission statement, don't allow the good to be robber of the best. And I just simply will say this, for our family, what this meant and what I taught them was that let's be our best for God. Let's be our best we can be for ourselves. Let's be the best us we can be and, and be our best for other people. So be your best for God, be your best self, your best version of yourself for God, and then be the best you can be for other people. And that's what this family mission statement meant for us, is just really strive to be, strive to be your best. And uh, so anyway, I just kind of wanted to start there. And this is Josh. Josh is 31 years old. He's a pastor in the house and uh, is my lead associate at this point in his life. This is, I should have introduced you first. This is the precious one, Pastor Precious. (laughs) Give me a kiss. I'm gonna get that, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that little piece of food out between your teeth. Here, come here. Uh, Tell him what I've taught you about that when you get to. Stuff stuck in your. Just this you is family taught me talk. how to get food out yeah, of my teeth. She didn't teeth. know how to get her food out of her teeth, in between her teeth. So I go, you put your tongue, you, and it blows I it out. I always let him know. Listen, if I come out here in between service and I had a little something to eat, you guys are not going to see it. So don't point out. But it, he can't yeah. help it. He's so, got to always point out. Anyway, it's gone. Good. You blew it right on my. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So uh, this is Keila. Keila's a pastor. Also, Keila is over our. Uh, internship and really is our leadership development pastor with our millennials. And then this is little baby Whitney and she's over our worship and creative. So anyway, we're blessed to have them all to be a part of us. Let's look at uh, Psalms 128 because in talking about family, again, I said this last week, but let me say it again. We're not up here because we think we're a perfect family. We're not up here because we think we're a better family than you. We're not up here because uh, we think we've done everything right. We're up here just to be real with you and hopefully it'll inspire you and to know that nobody does anything by themselves, that we are family. 
so we're trying to work it out and it's awesome. So family is God's, is God's design for how he wants us to live our lives. That's why he didn't just create Adam, but he created Adam and Eve. He, he created with creating man, but, but a woman for a man and a man for a woman so that they could be fruitful and multiply and reproduce in the earth and have dominion. So God thinks families. And that's why we're talking about this. So how joyful are those who fear the Lord? Psalms 128 says, in fact, Psalms 128 is one of 15 Psalms that are called the Psalms of the ascents. Um, that means to ascend or to elevate. And there are 150 Psalms, but only 15 are called the Psalms of ascents. And so uh, two of those Psalms, both 127 and 128 deal particularly with the family. Psalms 127 starts by saying that if the Lord doesn't build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And that really family doesn't work without God the way it's supposed to work. And even with God, it's difficult. And everybody said, and so anyway, it goes on to talk about, I love 127, I almost went there, but we just don't have time. But, but I'll take this second to say that, that really your children are like, arrows in the hands of warriors. I love that statement, that, that God wants us to be able to launch our children into a great future and that we as the warriors, as the parents, um, are the ones that are raising up and training our children, training their hands for war. And what that simply means in scripture is training our children's hearts, heads, and hands to win. And so that's what God's called us to do. But anyway, there, that's Psalms 127, but Psalms 128 says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. So those who choose to say, God, we wanna we want do it your way. We wanna honor your word. We wanna honor uh, who you are in our life. We wanna live our life, live our, our marriage, live our finances, live our families the way you want. How joyful are those people? How fun can life be for those people and all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. You know, it's one thing to go to work. It's another thing to enjoy the fruit of your work. And uh, so the Bible says that if you honor the Lord, you'll actually enjoy the fruit that your work produces, your labor produces. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Everybody say amen on that, because that is us. That is our family here at Elevate Life Church. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. And while that's in it, you know, you read that and you say, what does that mean? That, that basically a, God's called a woman. She not only has something that a man doesn't have, and that's called a womb. And she's able to, to, to birth things that men could not birth, but also that she is productive. So she's a reproducer, but she's also productive. So in other words, that, that, uh, your wife will be productive. Your wife will be a fruit bearer. Um, your children will be vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. Thank you, trees. And, uh, and, and then I love this part. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. And then he goes on to say, may the Lord continually bless you from Zion. So in other words, from heaven to earth, may he bless us. May you see Jerusalem 
or Frisco or wherever your city is, prosper as long as you live and may you enjoy your grandchildren. And those of us who are grandparents, we say amen. And may Israel have peace. And so literally in this one passage of scripture that only has six verses, the Psalm of Ascents, it's saying, hey, the family that honors the Lord is gonna be joyful. The joy of the Lord, Josh said last week, is our strength. That's a scripture right out of the Bible. Um, so the family that honors the Lord is gonna have joy. The family that honors the Lord is gonna be, have prosperity and, and, and peace. The family who comes together at the same table, in other words, values the same things, learns what they're supposed to learn in the family, that in the family, everything extends from how it goes in your family. So it talks about that. And then it says, that is the Lord's blessing on those that fear him, is that their family is joyful. Their family is prosperous. Their grandchildren, they enjoy the, the legacy that they live so that they can leave that legacy. And then it says Jerusalem and Israel. And as, as strange as that seems, that they would mention Jerusalem and Israel in that, here's what that means. As the family goes, so goes the city that you're in. By the way, welcome to the most prosperous city in the United States of America called Frisco, Texas. And if you live around Frisco, we include you. So, so, or, or in McKinney, McKinney as well. But isn't that interesting? That, or wherever you're watching online. But I'm just saying, it's, it's been reported by Forbes the last month that Frisco is the richest city in America. Now you can research that yourself. You say, what does that mean? Y'all go, well, I'm not rich. No, you just live in the richest city. <laughs> what does that mean? That means it's the lowest poverty level in the United States of America and the lowest uh, level of people, unemployment in the United States of America in Frisco, Texas. So it's not that people make more money than, and by the way, how many of you know rich is, that's not what rich means. But again, this scripture points out that as the family prospers and has joy, so the city prospers. And then, so the country prospers. What does that mean? This is how important your family is, my family is, now our bigger family that we're a part of. As we go, so goes our city. As our city goes, so goes our state. By the way, welcome to the state of Texas that has the best economy of all states in the United States of America. In the name of Jesus. Why, you, Josh, you're laughing at me. He didn't, he didn't like when I say that. No, but anyway, say, it is what it is, son. All I so, said was yeehaw. That's what I said. Hey, okay. Anyway. Cowboy up. So, as the family goes, come on, y'all, so goes the city. As the city goes, so goes the state. As the state goes, so goes the country. In the name of Jesus, let us be known in Frisco, Texas, at Elevate Life Church, in this family, that we have a joyful, prosperous family in the name of Jesus. And I speak that over your life, no matter what it looks like right now. So last week, guys, we talked about, and I've invited my family just to be with me, um, we talked about that the family, the fundamental family is the tribal unit where we learn to love. And we talked about that. And, and so oftentimes in families is where we can feel the greatest joy and the greatest sorrow, the greatest, the great, we have the greatest hope and yet the greatest pain. 
We have the greatest gain, but we have the greatest losses within the family. Um, and there's a lot I can say about that, but God intends for a family to be the place where we learn to love. Uh, an attorney, you know, a lawyer came to Jesus, the Bible calls him a lawyer, came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and then Jesus went on to say this later on. He said, and I want to even take your love to another level because some of you aren't doing well loving yourself. So I want you to love people like I love you, like I love you. So love, that's where we're supposed to learn in family what love is. And then, so again, so we can create great families based on the lessons that we've learned from the family that we were raised in. But then what I wanna focus on today is the family, and take a look at your notes, is the incubator of the soul where we develop our EI or our emotional intelligence. Um, Josh, I know you've, you've, you were watching on Bloomberg, but then also you've cited some studies and I want you to talk about that for just a minute. But second, probably only to the Bible. A lot of people always ask me what I'm reading and I'm always reading a lot. Uh, I discovered when you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you need to read, read, read. Uh, I've discovered that readers are leaders and, uh, and that when you read someone's book, you're reading the best part of them. And uh, a book that's been second only to the Bible to me for many, many years has been How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I just think it's a manual for success and especially as it relates to emotional intelligence. And one of the things that uh, the Carnegie Institute uh, did was they did a study and they showed that 15% of a person's success is based on their gift or their talent or their ability. 85% of a person's success is their ability to get along with people, their ability to connect with people. And so oftentimes, even in families, we don't understand as a mom and dad, we're responsible for getting along. We're responsible for, and another translation says, those who fear the Lord, your life will go well. We're responsible for having a, a well life, a deep well, a rich well, a, a healthy well, that we are the ones that incubate. It's an incubator for these children who become adults, who will get married, who will have children for their own emotional intelligence to be forged because I believe that Carnegie Institute, their study is conclusive, but even if it wasn't conclusive, it's absolutely true. And that is that your ability to connect with other people in personal relationships, interpersonal relationships, your ability to connect with people in business is the most important thing that you have. Whatever product is, whatever widget you have, whatever thing you've got to sell is way secondary to that. And that's what makes a family so important. We believe in our family, the greatest gift you can give anybody is a healthy you. And we've got to learn that in our family. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm going to pitch it to you, Josh, and let's go from there. Yes, sir. Well, uh, the, the National Academy of Sciences did a study uh, on on what, what are the greatest determinants of success that we have in our life. 
And a lot of people historically have said IQ, the higher intelligence you have, the more, the higher chance you have of being successful. If you have a high IQ, that means that you'll be exposed to more opportunities. And in this study that they did over a period of time, they found that the greatest predictor of someone's success was not their IQ, it was their uh, EQ, their emotional quotient. So is someone's emotional intelligence, someone's ability to, uh, to navigate and understand their own emotions and the, and the emotions of people around them was the greatest predictor of a person's success. In fact, the name of this, the article that this, was, that this study was mentioned in was, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? And, uh, and so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great thoughts that we can all have, but if we can't deal with people, then we're not setting ourselves up for success because each one of us in this room is a person. And life would be so great if it wasn't for people. We've all heard quotes like that that are mentioned. And I think in our family, what we've, what, what my, some of my greatest lessons in our family have been uh, developing empathy for me, being able to see things from another person's point of view. And that is something I think that is, if there was, if I could encourage you, if there's one thing you could teach your kids, there's only one thing you teach your kids your whole life, teach them to have empathy, teach them to care about other people, teach them to be conscientious, teach them to be considerate, teach them to understand other people's points of view. Um, because in a lot of ways, uh, we're missing that in society right now. And that's what people need the most. What people need the most is, is for people to see from their perspective. And so in my family, one of, the, one of the things that you guys would do that I think really was frustrating and still is kind of frustrating, it's not as frustrating now, but it was very frustrating, was when we would have conflict with each other, my parents would not step in and solve it for us. They basically put us in a room and said, y'all have to figure this out. And you, the only time you can come out of this room is when everything's in a healthy place. And it set me up for success in my marriage, in my life, in the relationships that I have, because I, be, I have to be the kind of person that finds a way to make it happen. I read a story recently about a guy that showed up for a job interview. This is a true story. Showed up for a job interview fresh out of college, and his mom came with him to answer the questions of the interviewer. And so obviously the guy didn't get the job. Well, a lot of times, Josh, here's what happens with parenting, especially stop fighting, stop arguing rather than, yes, we need to argue and we need to work this yeah. out. And too often times as parents, we're so head down, butt up at times, we just want the problem to go away. and We want our children to yeah. act right. And we don't put them in situations where they have to work yeah. it out. And well, we really did try to do yeah. that. I would tell them, you do not want me to get involved in this. Yeah. But what I was going to say, I will too, get involved but you don't want me yeah. to get involved. What I was going to say too is that there were very few times that my parents really went to bat for us, like with people, even with adults. Like when I was in college, one time I called my dad and complained about a professor and he said, have you talked to them? I said, no, is you need to go talk to him. Why are you talking to me about it? If you're not talking to them about it. Uh, uh, when, when, don't when, let your kids when be I would have issues to you. Well, even when I was in school, when I would have issues with teachers, I would say, this teacher doesn't like me. They gave me a bad grade just because they have an issue with me. Uh, my parents would, would uh, go meet with the teacher and they would say, how can we uh, discipline our son according to what you need him to be? And th that, is, that is something I think that a lot of parents are trying to figure out is how do I stay on my kid's side? But it ends up, for me, I didn't get hamstrung because I had to navigate conflict. Like I knew if I had an issue with my friends, 
My parents weren't necessarily going to, they intentionally, not because they weren't aware, but intentionally they weren't going to help me because they wanted me to work it out. They wanted me to know how to do conflict well. And so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of just people I think my age that don't know how to navigate their emotions, don't know how to talk about their emotions, don't know how to have empathy for the for other people's emotions because their parents kind of shielded them from that. And one day you get married and like you're living alone with your spouse and you can't necessarily call your mom to come talk to your wife for you, you know, about how you feel. It'd be better if you didn't do that. Yeah, it'd probably be for the best. So anyway, I think for me and in this family, I learned how to be considerate, empathetic, learned how to communicate about my feelings, but also learned how to hear the feelings of another person. Well, when we look at our families and as a mom, when we look at our children, we can see that some of our children are more in tune. Their emotional quotient is higher. Their emotional intelligence is higher than maybe some of the other children that you have. And so that's why it's so important as parents that we help our children with their emotions, that it's not going to just happen. We have to do the work for them and help them recognize. Like, you know, I see parents that, and I've told my kids this, like, why do we do one year birthday parties for our children that are, they're babies, they've been in these more quiet homes, there's not as much activity, and then you bring all these adults in and they're loud, and all of a sudden your, your one year old is disturbed and you know he or she is just crying and you're like, they're not even happy on their one year birthday. What's wrong? You know, smiling, getting them to, to, you know, for the pictures and everything where there's so much noise and there's so much, it's like their emotions, they can't handle it. Are you going to a restaurant and it's loud? Emotionally, they, they, the children, they can't handle that. They're like, you know, they're, they're working through these emotions and their feelings and what they feel. But if you look at that and maybe you think about your own children and how they have been and looking at each one, there's things that you can do to help them develop their emotional intelligence. What can you do? Let me tell you some of the things. Maybe some of you have grown your children, but you got grandchildren coming. So one of the things you can do is talk to them about their emotions. Ask them how they're feeling or why they're feeling that way. Maybe a friend has hurt their feelings. You know, maybe just something's going on and they're very emotive. Layla is really emotive. So it's having the conversations with her of why did she just lay down on the ground? Well, and you've taught me that because I, Layla is very emotional and she's very smart. And so sometimes I forget that she's three because of what she knows. So when she talks or, or, you know, you see some of her knowledge, and then she'll throw herself on the floor, or do something like act right, like get up, and, and then I'm like, shoot, okay, you're three, okay, why are we feeling this way? And you've taught me about how to teach her how to express her feelings. Right. So we want our children to be able to be in touch with their emotions, to be able to express. Maybe they really don't know why they're frustrated or why they're throwing themselves on the ground or why they're throwing a fit. But as parents, instead of being frustrated by that, having the conversations so they can begin to be aware of their behaviors and how they're acting and then being able to lead them Cells, but because maybe even as a child you weren't able, you didn't get talked to that way. So now maybe now you're still kicking and screaming and you know having the fits because you didn't get in touch with your emotions to figure out why am I frustrated? All of us have these crazy emotions that we get frustrated by. But if we help our kids from the time they're little to say inside of our home, like there's different times that it's going to be crazy and wild, and when friends come over, you set them up emotionally. You tell them, you know what, we're going to have a big party at the house. 
house. It's going to be loud. We're going to have fun. So they'll be able to understand their emotions and what they're going to be feeling when all these friends come over. But you know what? There's going to be times on Sunday morning where everybody's getting dressed for church. It's going to be maybe more quiet. So they begin to learn the environment of your home. They learn in summer that, you know what? We're outside. We're at the park. It's fun. We're swinging and we're having a great time. We're out at the pool. There's a lot of high emotions. But then maybe in the winter, everybody's inside. It's, it's a little bit different. But why do we do this? Because we help our kids understand that there's emotions in different seasons. Yes, and, and, and little Pastor Precious, she would say, let's use our inside voice. Yes. When she would talk to me. <laughs> we'd, we'd like you to use your inside voice right now, Daddy. Yeah, you don't have that. No, he doesn't have to. <laughs> I was joking, because that's what she would say to y'all. She'd uh, say, let's use our inside voice. I don't know if she ever really said, we no, don't have inside voices in this family. Our cousins would come over and be like, why is everyone yeah. yelling? We were like, we're just We're like, use what? your cousin voices. I'm, I'm more based on the model. Yeah, based on the model that really the home I grew up in was like, okay, when we're around other people, let's, let's tone it down. Let's civilize. But when we're at home, which is how my kids are, like, we don't need to act like we a go bunch to a restaurant, it's like, okay, we're with other people. We're, we're, we're around other humans. <laughs> don't scare yes, these, exactly. don't scare these don't other scare people the that people. you're with. But all I'm saying, all this to say, talk about emotions. And be aware of whether it's your spouse's emotions, whether it's your children's emotions. Emotions are not bad. Let's help understand, each other understand our emotions. It's like even, you know, there's times with, uh, with you and I that, you know, you may be frustrated and you may have all this emotion and I'm like, why is it, what's going on? And, you know, why are you acting this way that you're so... And sometimes I don't even have to ask you're why. You're our counselor and our therapist. You yes, help I us already all. know that he's frustrated. I already know what the situation is. But you know how many times it can come out in your relationship that has nothing to do with you, but all of a sudden there is this frustration. And that's when you do the peace. Yes. Peace. And I <laughs> am responsible for my own emotions. So I just go, you know what, that's your emotions, and I'm going to listen, I'm going to be in touch with finding out what's going on in this little heart and in this little mind, <laughs> but I'm not, and I've, you know what, it's taken 58 years to do this, but I am so glad, that's why I say, I'm glad, I don't look back and go, I'm glad, I, or I wish I was 20 years old again, you know why? Because hopefully I'm at this place that I've matured a little bit, that I'm responsible for myself. When I was 20, I wasn't as able to do this. So when he, he reacted or did things, then I was frustrated or I was upset or I took it personal. I don't do that anymore. I'm not going to take it personal. You're responsible for you and I'm responsible for me. And I am going to be responsible for my emotions right now in this moment. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think, I think Praise the Lord. one of the things that you said that you said last service that I think is the secret of all of this in our family is you said that the, your family is the incubator of your soul. And in our family, I think at the end of the day, you guys as parents have cultivated this thought process that we're all for each other. And there's not a lot of places that you can go where people will have your best interest in mind and where people really care about you being your best. Well, in, in because of because of the way my parents have led us, I know that in this family with these people, they do have my best interest in mind. 
So I don't, I don't feel like there's adversarial relationships and I can work through my stuff. I can work through my stuff in front of them. We have very open and honest conversations, all of us with each other. And that's, to me, that's emotionally healthy. And that's what you guys have demonstrated all the time for me even growing up is that we've had these really open and honest conversations about ourselves, about why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And it was okay to talk about that. Like it was okay as a, uh, you know, for me, I mean, as a man, it was okay as a man for me to talk about the way I was feeling with my dad. And for me to talk about, and, and, and you're, you're a very passionate person and you're, you're like, you're like the crier, you know, in our family and they don't know that. And so it was okay to have, as, as you say, it was okay to have emotions in our, in our family and in our dynamic. And so that, that's helped me to have healthy emotions in my own life as a man. And I don't have to live up to this idea of masculinity that's out there. That's, that's not even real, but I can, I can have my own healthy emotions because we all, we all really talked honestly, like, Hey, Josh, you're acting this way. How are you feeling? Okay. Let's talk about why you're feeling that way. And it wasn't just always, um, correction. And even when, even when correction came from you guys, it wasn't out of frustration. I think a lot of leaders, not just parents, but leaders, they will correct out of just their frustration. They'll get upset. Then because they're upset, they'll say something. And that's when we say things that we don't, that, that we end up regretting. That's when we say things that don't have that person's best interest in mind. But in this family, you guys have really modeled correcting out of, I have a heart for you. I really have a heart for you to get better at this. I have a heart for you as a person to, to be your best and to be the best person. I know you feel the same way. So this has just been a really safe place for us to have that conversation. And like what you're talking about, mom, and all of that, you guys have just cultivated, cultivated this environment. Because to me, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 is a verse in the Bible that says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And that's really powerful. But then the second part that we have to understand for all of us that are in any kind of leadership position, whether that's at our job, um, in an organization, on a servant leader team, with your kids, whatever, um, the second part of that verse, Hebrews 13, 17 says for your, for your leaders, keep watch over your souls and they're held accountable to God for that. So as a parent and as a leader, the people that are, that I'm leading, God has entrusted me with their soul, which is their mind, their will, and their emotions. And you guys have helped to build this culture where now me and Courtney are working on that with Charlie. She's only 10 months old, but we're working on it. We can't really ask her how she's feeling or why she's feeling the way she's feeling. We can just navigate her screaming in a positive way in our own selves uh, whenever that happens. But you guys have helped to really under, to help demonstrate what it means to watch over someone's soul really well and to help create an environment where people can be nurtured and especially kids can be nurtured. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think that, that I know for me growing up, that was one of the big things was just y'all's consistency in the things that you taught us, but I think also one of the things that still, as an adult, I'm so grateful that you both think this way is when something happens, you were never afraid to apologize. If in a moment you were too intense, or maybe if you said something you shouldn't have said, that we weren't the only ones that could make mistakes, we weren't the only ones being corrected, that in a moment where they knew that maybe they didn't do something right or after that they didn't do something right, they would say, you know what, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have come across that way or I shouldn't have said that to you. And it's my job as a parent to correct you and to lead you and to guide you. And I'm going to do that. But that doesn't mean that I need to do it in the way that I did it today. And so I apologize for that. And I think that that's a really healthy 
thing as a child that teaches you that your parents are people too and they have emotions and they have feelings and they're the expectation from us i think a lot of times as kids can be like almost that like your parents have it all together you have this expectation for them to be perfect on a level and when they humble themselves in that way it makes you go like wow you have feelings too like i can hurt your feelings too or i can make you feel a certain way too it's not just all about me and um and so that consistency i think is something that you know you look at you know some people have said to us have said to me you know how does this really work how do you guys do this together as a family and is this all really real and and i always say it's and it is it's a hundred percent real and the reason that this works is because of the consistency of my parents and the realness of my parents that has taught us to have healthy emotional intelligence that we can work out conflict together and we can work out our issues and the things that we deal with and we can celebrate the victories together in a healthy way but we can also celebrate the times that aren't so great and have family meetings and talk about it and nobody's above a, of a above an apology nobody's above a correction or making adjustments to be better for each other yeah absolutely well thank you um <clears throat> josh you mentioned something first service and i just want to uh, tag on it, and then I want to go to Keela here in a minute, because emotional intelligence, um, if you can sum it up, it's, it's, it's not only the most important, uh, really, bridge between your spirit and your body. So we are spirit, soul, and body. So your emotions are the bridge. Your, your emotions are the center, if you will, of your, it's the, it's the seat of your emotions, okay? So your, your emotions are, are really the seat of your character. And so it's like you've got this spirit and we're, we're God, you know, again, we're in church today to learn about the spirit of God, but we are spirit, soul, and body. And we, as we honor the Lord, as we, as we uh, desire to lead our lives and our families and our businesses, uh, according to the word of God, oftentimes where the wheels come off is not because we don't know enough of this, but because we're not emotionally intelligent. In other words, the conflict in our marriage is not that we don't both love God. No, we're just not emotionally intelligent. The conflict that we have at our job is not because we're not Christians or believers or people of faith, but it's because we're not navigating our emotions well. When we look in the past of our life and you think about the relationships that you've had and don't have anymore, uh, you think about uh, people that you've interfaced and interacted with and have done life with that maybe even now you're not doing life with. Um, and one of the greatest takeaways that you can have with your past for yourself is to get real about what you could have done better, no matter what they did, no matter what they said. But you as a healthy person, you grow healthy when you're in touch with, and this is what you were talking about last service, Josh, when you're in touch with what your feelings are and you have an ability to communicate those feelings and then correspondingly, you're empathetic in terms of what other people's feelings are and how you're coming across to other people. And so that's where the intelligence begins emotionally. It's like, what feel do I create when I walk into any room? What feel do I create with my children when we sit at a table like this? 
What field do I create with my staff or with my employees? Or how, how does my boss feel about me? In other words, when you take responsibility for the feeling that you're creating, for the atmosphere out of the incubator of whatever it is that you've been incubated in, out of that incubator comes an atmosphere that you are the, the cultural architect, if you will. You're the, you're the one that controls the atmosphere of whether or not people say, oh, there they are, or oh, here they come. You see, people have one of those two responses. And then if you're one of those neutral people where you feel like people don't care if you're in the room, you have to understand something. You're the one that makes you being in the room matter. You're the one by the feeling that you bring and by the feeling that you cause in other people when you're in their presence, you're the one that determines how much value that you have in other people's eyes. And sometimes you can't determine that and that's why relationships end because someone doesn't see your value and someone, or, or you're not able to see their value and enough stuff happens that's bad that finally we can't see the good anymore and all of us have those kind of realities in our past. But as you navigate your future, it's understanding that, okay, I'm spirit, part of me that you can't see. I'm soul, the part of me that, that creates a feeling wherever I go and I'm body and the body determines what I do. It determines where I walk, determines where I drive, it determines where I go, it determines what the works of my hands are. It determines what my competency is as it relates to my brain and my ability to monetize my gifts and my talents and my abilities. So this, this catalyst, if you will, or this axis upon which your spirit and your body turn either for good or evil, for positive or negative, for success or failure is in the emotional category. And that's what makes this so important, Josh, is because Keila, if there's, if there's one thing that makes emotional intelligence work, what would it be? Awareness. Awareness. Awareness of your feelings and yet not making it about you and other people's feelings. And the more you make other people feel better about them, the more successful that you'll be. Hi. So <laughs> um, I know that you guys, you know, hear from the family and we say all these things about emotional intelligence. You know, my family has done a really great job, specifically, obviously, my parents and leading us in teaching us emotional intelligence and awareness and um, also just general thought processes as a leader. And they, they model those personally. We can follow them. It's not just something that they're saying that's theoretical. We're actually able to watch what they do with us, with other people. And it's a model for us that we get to follow. And uh, for me in my life, I don't know if any of you guys could ever relate to this, but for me, I grew up in a family where I was taught that, where that was modeled, and it's still a huge struggle in my life. Um, I know that there are all kinds of outside factors, internal factors that can affect this. I know for me growing up, um, I faced some things that were tra traumatizing that I didn't really know how to handle. And I realized this last service whenever we were talking that it was really when I was about 22 or 23, we were in Florida and we were having a family meeting and we were talking about this stuff that I had been through. And by the way, we don't know what you do on vacation, but when we go, go on vacation, uh, Craig, we have family meetings. So, hey, we're all together. Let's talk. 
Yeah. So we were talking and I just kept, it was like I was hitting this wall, hitting this wall. And my mom looked at me and I mean, at this time I'm graduated college and she looks at me and she goes, you were emotionally stunted. And I was like, yes, I was. And I had like this realization in my early 20s that somewhere around 10, 11, 12, I stopped growing emotionally. And it's a real thing that happens whenever you face trauma, but it also is very difficult to realize that unless you're aware of it. And I think in my 20s, I had hit a point where I could start to decipher or, or see between how my brother and sister would handle things or how people around me would handle things. And a simple example of that would be something that me and my dad talk about a lot, and he still reminds me of, is when either I answer the phone or I see somebody and they're like, hey, my normal natural response is, hey. So no matter what, if they're like, hi, I'd be like, hey. And my dad would always tell me, match somebody's emotion. And whenever I'm responding, I'm not thinking like, I'm not gonna match your emotion. I just can't even tell the difference, to be honest. And so for me, it was like, I'm saying hi. What do you mean I'm responding to you? But it's like I couldn't emotionally connect to the energy part of that. And so throughout my life- Let, my me, let me just pause you a little. <laughs> okay. This, this, this is a big deal. And some people in their marriage never get this. And they never get it with their kids. It's like your child is so excited about something, but you're off at work, yet you're not at work. Your, your, your wife is excited about something, but you're so head down, butt up, or you're so focused, you can't enjoy a moment because it's an emotional intelligence issue. And therefore, there is no joy. There's just your normal self. And by the way, if you never get past your normal self, you'll never reach your potential. Let me say that one more time. Until you get past your normal self, you'll never reach your full God-given potential. So we're birthed into these families where people are very different than us. Why? To help us with our normal that people are, are very emotionally wired, emotionally different. Why? To help us with our normal. You say, well, then why would God make us normal? Because there's some great things about your normal. But until you realize that God's ultimate goal is to add his super to your normal, you'll get stuck in what is your normal defaults. And unfortunately, our normal defaults over a period of time are a result of our hearts. So defaults are set, and that's what happened to Keila. Keila had some things that hurt her early in life that were in the uncontrollable area. And this is the devil's goal, by the way, for you and for me, is that we get these, that we're already normal. God's trying to add his super to our normal, but then something horrible, something uncontrollable, a molestation, an abuse, something hits us from left field, a child dies, a situation happens, and all of a sudden that horrific event causes us to get stuck and stop growing emotionally. And we're continually focused on that and not moving forward and, 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 and not understanding that the things that hurt us the most have the potential to help us the most if I'm aware. In other words, every bad thing that's happened to you, how many of you have had some bad things that have happened to you? If you get better because of that bad thing, the world gets better because bad things happen to everybody. And if you, whatever your deal is, no, it doesn't matter what your, what your bad deal is, 
Whatever's happened to you that's unique to you, and, and, and I'm gonna just say this in front of God and everybody to you, Keila, because here's what happens. And you tell me if I'm wrong in front of God and everybody. Tell me if I'm wrong. When we start thinking, well, this hadn't happened to you, we start giving our excuse, ourselves an excuse to stay stuck. And that's what happens. So what happens to people is go, well, you hadn't been abused. I have. So I have a, a right to be this way. You, you haven't been divorced, so you don't know what I've been through. So I have a right to be this way. Um, you're not black. So you don't understand me. So I have a right to be this way in being black. You're not white. Doesn't matter. You're not a man. You know, whatever you, whatever you want to put on it that keeps you stuck in your anger, in your resentment, in your hurt, you're stuck and you don't have to stay stuck. God is a God of the future, not, well, let's keep looking back. Well, what, here's what happened. Here's what went. No, 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 no. Hey, we are living in the here and now and God has a great future and God has a great plan. So quit excusing your ill-mannered, angry, upset, unresolved behavior because we hadn't experienced what you've experienced. Let's learn, if I hadn't experienced what you've experienced in a negative sense, then hey, I might experience something equal or worse of that in the future, and if you're healthy, I'm already prepared when it comes, because your, your normal has now become super normal. I hope that makes sense, but anyway, go ahead. Well, so what I was gonna say with, with that also is, you know, I think that you could sit in a church like this that is very growth-minded. You know, our word this year is forward. You know, to move forward, you have to be healthy. You can move forward in an unhealthy way, but the forward we're talking about is a healthy forward. And so, um, you know, I, I think about the example even with weeds and actual plants that you want to grow. It seems like it takes a lot longer for the plants that are beautiful that you actually planted that you want to grow. You, they're a lot more temperamental. They have to have a certain kind of sun. You have to give them water. There's just all these different dynamics. And you can pull out your weeds and the next day they're back even bigger. And that's how sometimes what happens with our life. We're like, this is growing and I don't want this part to grow. And you know, for me in my life, when I was in my early 20s, I... I that you, know, was the, you know why that is? <laughs> why? Because weeds grow by default. Yeah. They don't need any special thing to grow. You put concrete over them, they'll find Still a crack grow. in the concrete and they'll grow. Because it's easy, it's easy for weeds to grow yeah. and for a beautiful lawn and grass to grow, it has to be nurtured and developed. Great example, anyway, go ahead. That just goes a lot in my head, that example. So, but all that to say, I didn't realize truthfully, and it was kind of like a family realization, I think, for all of us together. Because um, my parents, whenever I'd gone through some stuff that I'd gone through, they started learning about how to handle it because we didn't know how to handle it, none of us. And so then whenever we had that realization together, in a way, it started me on what is this lifelong journey of trying to grow in an area that I'm weak in. I think it would be... Um, it would be short-sighted to think that we don't have weaknesses. And I think it's a lot easier to talk about what we're good at. Um, I think, you know, you could go, well, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this. But when in these real moments like this, where you go, okay, this is not a strength for me, and it's something that you know you need to be strong in, it's more difficult to confront it. And I think for me, this has been like a huge deal in my life because what it's done is it's held me back from being able to help people or influence people or reach people that I know God's called me to do that with because I'm not aware. and. 
something that I'm realizing, even in, specifically in this year of my life, is whatever you're aware of, you have the capability and the possibility to have authority over. But if you're not aware, you can't have authority in that area. But it doesn't just happen because you're aware. It happens when you start taking action, and not just taking action, but taking the action when it needs to happen so that you can have the authority. Because when I first started, when I first started becoming aware of this, what would happen is that I would pass by a moment and I'd be like, why didn't I react better to that? And I would think back and then I'd evaluate it. But then the trick was getting to that moment the next time and responding right that time and having my awareness be in that moment and not as an afterthought and then not do anything about it. So for me in my life, the thing that I've realized and I'm realizing still is I want to be emotionally intelligent, not only because it's obviously important, and now I'm not like just this crazy social person, but because I wanna do what God's called me to do, and I don't wanna have defaults and natural ways about me that hold me back from God being used through me. And we all have stuff like that. We all have stuff that we have to go, okay, if there's a wall or if there's a block or I keep facing the same thing or I keep dealing with the same thing, it usually has to do with me. You know, Pastor Key says, wherever you go, there you are. So if you're having the same issue in a relationship, if you're having the same issue in your job, if you're having the same issue in your life in general, you probably need to look at yourself and have some self-evaluation, ask God for help because usually you are your block. You are the thing that's stopping you. And so for me, I told my dad this uh, right before the first service, but emotional intelligence for me in some areas, like for me, I know what I want. I know why I feel the way I feel. I know what you need to do to make me feel better. But sometimes I have a hard time connecting with how others feel and what they need. But I think what happens is whenever you go through certain things or you, know, you deal with something, if you're not able to grow through it or be aware, you turn inward and you're focused on yourself. And you know everything in your life that's not working is usually because you're selfish. And it takes us being selfless and being led by God for our life to work in a lot of different areas. And so for me, what I realize is, I mean, it's just true, like in my life, even though I didn't realize it when I was younger, I turned inward and so I put a wall up. So I didn't want my dad to touch me at certain times and I didn't wanna be around them and I didn't wanna share this and oh, you offended me, I'm blocking you off because I don't wanna get hurt again. And there's all these walls of like, I need to protect myself and I need to control this, but it was out of fear. It's not out of, I'm not trusting God with my life. I'm not trusting God with my situation. I face something and I don't know how to handle it. So this is the only way I know how, which is flesh led, not spirit led. And that's never gonna get you down the right path. So for me, Realizing this stuff and being vulnerable about it, like it's something that I talk to my family about probably weekly, honestly. And it's, it's something that, you know, I, even like I said before this last service, I told my dad, I said, it's like if you were speaking to me in Mandarin and I was trying to carry a conversation with you, that's how emotional intelligence is for me. Like I can't, I can't follow the conversation. So I'm having to learn something that is not natural for me, whether it's because how, it's just how I'm created or because of what I've been through, whatever your situation is even. No matter what it is, you don't have to go, well that, that's just not something I'm good at or that's just not something that's natural for me. At any point in your life, you can decide, I wanna be better at this or I wanna be stronger at this or I want this to work in my life and you can make it work with so, God's help. So pause for a minute, because here's a real life story right now. And those of you that know, uh, what's going on. Uh, I have an iPhone. I don't know what you have, but this, this is one of the greatest technologies, revolutionary technologies that has ever happened in the history of the world, uh, created by Steve Jobs. And in the news of recent, she's doing a book. She's been doing uh, interviews. 
Steve Jobs' daughter said, I just wanted my parents to like, come in and kiss me. Like I wanted them to hug me. And you know what my parents said to me? They said, we're just not those kind of people. We're cold people. You see, here's our default. Well, I'm just not that way. I just don't do that. And Keila, even in our relationship, uh, because of the things that she had gone through and had faced, that like she loves to be touched, but like you didn't know when to touch her. Like is today a good day to touch or is today not a good day to touch? Like if you like touch, I'm all about it. I'm gonna hug you, love on you. But, but in other words, and, and what she's saying is she got stunted emotionally. And so oftentimes people get stunted emotionally at the point of their disappointment, at the point of their hurt, at the point of the abuse, at the point of divorce, at the point of whatever affected them so emotionally that, that now for the rest of their life, that isn't gonna happen again. I'm not gonna let that person in and the walls and that kind of thing. And that's where your emotions must be led by the spirit of the living God. This is why the Bible says, and, and Keila, this is what you're saying, that those who fear the Lord, they will have joy. Where does the joy come from? Your emotions. So why do you think the devil wants to mess you up emotionally? Because he doesn't want you to have joy and he wants you to be focused on things in the natural that only God's super can help you overcome in the natural. And then your emotions, watch this now, won't work against you, but your emotions will work for you. God is the one that made you spirit, soul, and body. But what happens to us, again, is we have things happen to us. We have people that hurt us. We have something that happens in our marriage. We have something that happens that's in the uncontrollable area. And the devil's goal, it's like he's sitting there going, this, I think this, I think I've got them here because I, I think what I can do is I can chip away at their joy. I can chip away because the joy of the Lord is my the joy of the Lord is mine. I think I can, I think I've got them here because now if I can do it for a day, I can do it for a week. And oh, by the way, this person has decided it takes them a long time to get over stuff. So, so if I can get them to think like this for two weeks and then for a month, then for a year, then I've got them stuck. And guess what I'm able to do? They're not being led by the spirit. They're being led by their emotions. And because they're being led by their emotions, they're on the unhealthy side of life. And they've opened a door to me. I'm playing the devil here. They've opened the door for me that now I can play with their emotions for the rest of their life. And not only has that person hurt them in the past, but now everybody in the future has the potential to hurt them based on what's hurt them in the past. I was with Joel Osteen last week. And Joel, here's what he said. It was so masterful. He said, you know, people talk about our criticism and the stuff that we face and, you know, in the Harvey, the, the church doors weren't open and, you know, they just criticize us. He said, you know what I decided? I just decided I'm going to treat everybody like they love me. <laughs> How would your life change 
If you treated your boss, if you treated your employees, if you treated your spouse like they actually loved you. I mean, if you treated your children like they, hey, they like me, they love me. You know what starts to happen to us is we get this complex. We get these natural default insecurities that are set. Nobody likes me. Nobody appreciates me. We stop encouraging because we need so much encouragement. And pretty soon we think nobody loves us. And not only does our family suffer and we become dumb mental, not fun. We become dumb mental in the process that now our family affects our city. Our city affects our state. Our state affects America. America affects the world. And we live in dysfunction, not in fun. Could I say one more thing Please on that do. too? So something, something that you guys have probably heard because you've been in church, and if not, here you go. So it says in the Bible, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And something that I've heard and I've, I've kind of learned over the past couple of years is that you know the enemy doesn't have to steal from you, to kill you, or destroy you if he can distract you because you're ineffective in the kingdom. And so if you are dealing with pain or you're dealing with frustration or disappointment, which are all normal things that we go through in life, and you don't turn those over to God, you're so distracted, he can't even use you because you're so inward focused. And so like for all of us, I think even within our church family, if it's not your, your family of origin, your church family, you can sit here and go, I hear words from God. I hear the truth out of the word of God. Hopefully you're spending time with God. But the question is, is it effective in your life? Because if it's not creating fruit and it's not producing fruit and you're not moving forward in a healthy way, the word and, and what God's wanting to do is inactive in your life. And it's because you're inward focused and you're distracted. And I know for me, like I grew up in the family that I grew up in and you can only know what you know when you know it and when you happen upon it, you can't know something before you know it. But once you have the realization in moments like this, when you have the realization of either I'm emotionally stunted or I'm too inward focused or, or I need to get out of my hurt or my pain or my, my disappointment and stop making excuses for myself, whatever that is, at the point that you know, you are accountable for it. And, and for all of us, it's okay to be real. Like whenever we were going over these notes with my dad, I was like, he was like, what do you have to say about this? I was like, well, I'm not good at that. So I guess I'll say that. <laughs> well, what about this one? I'm not good at that one either. So I guess I'll say that too. Like it's okay to be real about what you're not good at and what you need help with. In the Bible, it says that in our weakness, he is made strong. So if you can just realize that you're weak, God can come in and be your strength. I'm not good at having emotional intelligence in certain areas. Now, there are some areas that I'm okay in, but there's other areas that I need a lot of work in, and why do I need to work on those? For other people's approval? No. For my family's approval? No. The truth is I know that my family loves me even if I never get it, but my life is not gonna be effective with God to the point that it can be if I don't choose to work on the stuff that's hard for me. So if I just work at what's easy for me, and I highlight my strengths, but I never strengthen my weaknesses with God's help. Because in my own power, I can't do it. I don't, and this is not like a cop out. Like, I do not get it. Like, I've told my dad that multiple times. Like, I am trying. I do not connect. I don't understand. Like, so no, no matter how much you explain it to me, I get it when we're sitting here talking. But when I face the moment, I don't understand. So I need the help of God to understand. I need him to come help and me. And you need a family. See, yeah. that's the deal right there. In other words, you're not meant to get, have it all. You're meant to, in your weakness, that's how you're, that's, this is our family. Our family, our family. 
In other words, when you grow, I get to grow because of you. Maybe if you don't grow, we can't grow until you grow. Keila, I want you to pray for people because you know what? There's a lot of people that are dealing with that today. And I can't say it any stronger. Your emotions are the axis between your spirit and your body. And for you to be effective in your work with your body, for you to be effective in your body in your marriage, for you to be effective in your spirit, it relies on your emotions being led by your spirit. Not just, well, this is the way I am and this is the way I'm not. No, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. So Keila, I want you to come and family just stand up here with us, but I wanted to say something to everybody here. My dad, uh, I can't remember the year, but uh, he was 67. He had a massive heart attack. And uh, we were in the hospital and in the waiting room and he was in the Baylor um, heart transplant unit. The only, the only one there. And I was in the waiting room with my mother and uh, she just came over to me and she started crying. I don't know what it was, but I guess my dad's situation or something. And I'm, I'm talking about weeping. I'm talking about really crying hard. And she said, Keith, I emotionally abused you. She said, I was so hard on you. She's just crying. She said, I wasn't your brother, I wasn't your sister, but with you, and she just went on and she goes, please forgive me, please forgive me. Now, by this time, I'm in my 30s. And I looked at my mom and with God and the Holy Spirit as my leader, I said, mom, I so, that, that, I appreciate your heart and I hugged on her and loved her. I said, but that got settled a long time ago. In other words, I decided a long time ago, no matter what you said or what you did or how you made me feel, it wasn't gonna determine my love for you. It wasn't gonna determine my love for Sheila and my love for my kids. And I'm saying this by the Spirit. The world would say, I've been emotionally abused. And if I told you the stuff that happened, you'd say, yeah, yeah, probably physically abused too. Yeah. You see, that's what happens. People that are emotional abusers usually end up physically abusing too. If I were to tell you those stories, which I never will, you know why? Because, I mean, Sheila didn't even know some of it. Because here's why. My battles are my battles. And when I win, I get to have a great wife. And when I win, I get to have great children. And when I win, I get to have a great family. And if I'll just do the hard work of saying, you know what? God, you've given me your spirit to say to my flesh and my emotions, body, you're gonna follow what I say. 
emotions, you're, you're there. God gave, gave you to me to serve me. So here's how we're gonna act and here's what's gonna be our attitude and today's gonna be a good day. And so, so I share that with you because some of you are holding on to some stuff that your parents did or an ex did. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what it is. Greater is he that's in you than any of that stuff. And in this moment, it's been years for somebody. I'm talking to somebody. It's been years. God is going to release it. You're in just a minute. I'm going to have those of you that are dealing with emotional stuff. I'm going to have you lift up your hands and I am prophesying. It is going to go right out of your fingertips. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to be free like never before. So if that's you and you were listening to Keely, you say, I need to get past some stuff. I got some emotional stuff and it's the real deal. I want you to stand up right now in front of God and everybody. And Keela is going to pray over you. And, and when you lift your hands, don't do it yet. But when you lift your hands, you're going to feel it go right out of your fingertips in the name of Jesus from the inside out. Are you ready for that? Keela, as you pray, at what point, whatever point you feel, I want you to tell them to lift up their hands and God's going to do something powerful in that moment. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us exactly where we are. That even as we're a work in progress, even as we're still figuring things out and learning, it doesn't matter what age we're at, God. You have a great plan for us even beyond where we're at today and we have not even seen our greatest days yet. So God, I just speak right now to the heart of every single person who's standing, that you would begin to do a work inside of them, that God, you would begin to strip away any of the things that they've held on to, anything that they've, they've let stick inside of them, God, that isn't effective, anything that the enemies tried to use to distract them, that they've let distract them, God, that those things would just begin to fall right now in this moment. And even the walls that we've put up, God, that maybe we've conquered them before, little by little, that in this moment right now, God, that as they begin to lift their hands right now, that those walls are going to fall in Jesus' name. I'll just lift them up right now. The enemy has no authority in their lives. God, you have all the authority. Yes. So God, I speak freedom yes. and restoration yes. and wholeness yes. into their lives. God, healing. God, in their minds, in their hearts, that God, the past would not be a place that they stay, but the past would just be a place where they see that you've done miracles. Yes. God, I believe and I know that as we're moved in this moment, God, as we just not only feel your presence, but as you do a work in us right now, that we don't have to go back. We don't have to walk out of this room and pick back up our shield. Because God, you are our defender. You are our strength. You are the power that we need. So we don't have to put up our walls. We don't have to push people away. We don't have to push things away, God. But even in the Bible, it says that Jesus, you were moved with compassion and then the miracles happen. God, I speak that where we weren't able to be moved before with compassion in our emotions, where before we couldn't even maybe feel where you were taking us, God, because these things are coming off, because the pain's falling off, God, God, anything that's stuck to us is falling off in this moment. Because of that, we're going to be able to see you're doing. Oh. We're going to be able to be aware like never before and have authority like never before in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that the work that you do isn't something that needs oh. to just happen over and over again. This can be the one moment where everything
And God, that's what we receive right now. God, any thoughts that would try to come into our head and come against, God, what's being spoken, we cast those back down to hell where they belong. And God, we hold on to the word that you gave us. God, we're going to remind ourselves of the work that you've done and remind ourselves that we're moving forward. God, that we're growing in a healthy way. God, that we're going to be effective in your kingdom. And nothing's going to hold us back. So we let it go. We don't hold on anymore. God, we give it to you so that your power can be made perfect in our weakness. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint. And visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.